Hello, fellow geeks. You've probably noticed that this episode doesn't have an episode number. And you've probably noticed that this episode did not come out on my usual date of the 15th. Finally, you've probably noticed that it starts out with the name of my blog, Contents May Vary. There's a reason for all this. As you know, aside from this podcast, I've done other audio work, mostly producing a couple of non-narrated pieces for KCRW. Additionally, I've been wanting to experiment somewhat with audio, doing things that may not quite fit in with what Geek Out is all about. But I also want to share these pieces with you as well. So, I've decided I'm starting a new series of episodes that will be me playing around with audio. These episodes will be produced on no particular deadline, just when I have the time and energy. They also will be published on my feed at times that don't compete with the somewhat regular schedule of Geek Out. And, so you can skip them if you want, they will also all start with the title, Contents May Vary. First up, friend of the podcast Angelique Jurd writes Mail Mail Romance and last year had released a fun short story for free. Knowing I wanted to delve into playing around with audio, I asked if she would be open to me attempting to do an audio version. She agreed. So without further ado, I give you The Cauliflower Club, also available on my SoundCloud without this introduction. The Cauliflower Club, a short story by Angelique Jurd. No, but Jay, Max whines, I said no, and I meant it. I'm not going on a blind date, and I'm not coming to your bunny food club. Knock it off. He's a really nice guy. Jay shakes his head and looks at Max over his wire-rimmed glasses. A really nice guy is code for either comes with more baggage than a Louis Vuitton store, or lives at home with his mother and can't get a date to save his life. Given that he belongs to the Brussels Sprouts Club, I'm going with the latter. Max scowls and jabs a spoon in Jay's direction. It's called the Cauliflower Club, he says, which you damned well know. What's more, he doesn't live with his mother. He has a loft in Silver Lake. And when it comes to baggage, you are in no position to judge. Jay sighs and drops the remains of his chicken sandwich on the table. Max won't give up. He's been trying to set Jay up for months, and apparently the specter of him spending Valentine's Day alone, again, is more than Max can bear, so he's stepped up the efforts. The problem is Jay doesn't care about Valentine's Day or being alone. He's happy like this. He's used to it now. The first year without Mark was hard. He kept forgetting he was gone and waking up meaning to tell him something, seeing the empty space in the bed next to him, and having to face his loneliness again. By the second year, it was getting easier. He'd had the lease and the utilities all reverted to his name, stopped buying food for two out of habit. Now, after three years... He no longer reaches for Mark's favorite wine on the shelf. He's bought a cat from a rescue shelter and called it Boris. Hell, last week he changed the shower curtain, got new crockery, and hadn't felt the weight of being alone pressing in on him at all. For long. He runs his fingers through short, spiky blonde hair and studies his lunch companion. Max is a good guy. He means well. Jay knows that. He's not trying to meddle. He just thinks everyone should be as happy as Ann Oliver are. Happy and vegan. Jay snorts and shakes his head. If the former is at best a tenuous possibility, the latter is not going to happen. Not while roast chicken exists, or steak, or bacon cheeseburgers for that matter. If, he says, trying to ignore the hopeful smile blooming on Max's face. If I agree to come along to Spinach Society just this once and meet this guy, will you promise to drop it? You won't be sorry. You'll really like Aaron. I just know it. He's gorgeous. 
Max, I'm serious. I come this once, and you never bust my balls about it again. Max grins and holds three fingers up to his shoulder in a Boy Scout salute. Jay rolls his eyes. You were never a Boy Scout. Only because I was way too cool and progressive for them. Yeah, Jay says, picking up a sandwich again. You keep telling yourself that. What the hell do you wear to a blind date at a vegan cooking club, Jay wonders. A gay vegan cooking club. Obviously not leather, tempting though it is to wind Max up a little. Standing in front of his open closet, in nothing but black boxer briefs, he pulls out random items, studies them, and returns them. Too formal, too casual, too straight, too gay, too... Oh crap, Mark bottom that. He's not wearing that. Boris winds in and out of his ankles, and Jay bends to pick the fluffy ginger cat up, scratches his ears and sighs. Jeans and a t-shirt, methinks Boris, old buddy, old pal. Can't go wrong with jeans and a t-shirt. Boris pats his face with a large furry paw and shuts his eyes. A deep purr rumbles out of him, and Jay is tempted to call the whole thing off. Curling up in bed with Boris in a good book sounds so much more fun. On the bed, his cell phone chimes. Max's number floats on the screen. See you soon. Damn it. He deposits Boris on the bed, puts his glasses on, and reaches for a pair of black jeans. Adds a red t-shirt with the words Meat Eater emblazoned across the chest in big black letters. No point in false advertising, after all. After a few minutes of hunting, he unearths his Wallace under Boris, scratches the cat's ears, and turns the lights off. Let's get this over with, he thinks, as he locks the door behind him. He parks a block and a half away from the place where the class is being held. Jay doesn't mind the walk. It's not cold, and it's hardly a dangerous area, but he is regretting the t-shirt. Eyes fixed on the sidewalk in front of him, he hugs his jacket across his chest and hurries towards the address Max gave him. Crossing the last road, he looks up and sees Max and Oliver ahead. Behind them, leaning against the wall, is a guy with long, caramel-colored hair curling over his collar, and even from here, Jay can see he's taller than his own six-foot-two. As he approaches, he sees high cheekbones, a strong jawline, soft hazel eyes. Nice, his brain concedes. Oh, very nice, an entirely different part of his body says, and he resists the urge to turn around and leave. He's not interested in dating, and even less interested in hooking up. Giving himself a mental slap, he steps forward to accept Max's hug, taking his hands out of his pocket and letting his jacket fall open. The guy leaning across the wall bursts into laughter, and Jay's traitorous body begs a reconsideration of the self-imposed celibacy he's been living in for three years. Doesn't matter how much he doesn't want to admit it, Max wasn't lying. The guy is gorgeous. Seriously, Jay? Seriously? Max asks, glaring at the t-shirt. That's what you thought was appropriate to wear? What? You didn't say there was a dress code. I, I can always leave if there's a problem, Jay says, offering a sweet and entirely false smile to his friend. No, no, Oliver blurts. It's fine. Just fine. C can we go up now? Oliver pushes the door to the side of the restaurant open and leads the way up the staircase with Max trailing behind him, still muttering. The tall guy gestures for Jay to go first, so he shrugs and obliges, aware of the presence behind him. They're halfway up when he feels heat against his back and breath on his ear as it says in amused voice, at least you can't be accused of false advertising. There are ten workstations in the kitchen, or is it a classroom, Jay wonders, each with two men standing at it. They all appear to be couples except, of course, him and... Damn it, what's the guy's name? He frowns, searching his memory for it. Sure, Max had told him. A hand appears in front of him. I'm Aaron. Aaron, that's right, he remembers now. 
He accepts the handshake, then turns to shove his jacket in the cubbyhole beneath their bench. I'm, he says as he's turning around, and the words die in his throat. Aaron has taken off his own jacket to reveal a broad, well-muscled chest, over which is stretched a pink t-shirt decorated with a selection of Disney heroines and the words, I just want to be a Disney princess. What. The. Hell. Aaron looks down at his chest and grins. My sister gave it to me for Christmas and dared me to wear it in public. Jay nods. He doesn't want to say anything in case it's something stupid, like asking for Aaron's number. It's a, uh, I like it, he says and cringes. Nice going, he tells himself. What's your next lame trick? Aaron smiles and leans against the stainless steel bench and crosses his arms over his chest. Jay breathes a sigh of relief. That actually helps, not being able to see Aaron's chest. You were telling me your name? Jay blinks. What? Your name? Aaron prompts. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, Jay. My name is Jay Anderson. Nice to meet you, Jay Anderson. From the front of the room, a woman Jay hasn't noticed until now claps her hands and clears her throat. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the class. Tonight we will be making a pasta dish with cauliflower, peppers, and a walnut pesto. And since it's Valentine's Day, we'll be following it up with a creamy caramel cheesecake. Now, if you'd all like to wash your hands and get the list of utensils out, we can begin. Creamy caramel cheesecake, Jay asks. How is that vegan? Aaron, his head in the cupboard under a workstation, hands him a collection of bowls. It uses tofu, he says, straightening up and dropping pans on the bench with a clatter. What? How can you call it cheesecake if it uses tofu? Isn't that tofu cake? Is that even legal? Aaron laughs and holds out a knife, pointing it to the carton of ingredients on the corner of the bench. Think you can handle chopping the cauliflower, he asks? Jay snatches it from him and reaches for the cauliflower. Of course he can. He's no Michelin chef, but he knows how to chop up a cauliflower, for crying out loud. Good, Aaron says, and Jay can hear the laughter in his voice still. I'll process the parsley, cilantro, and walnuts. For 15 minutes, they work in silence, chopping, simmering, and tossing ingredients. Twice, Jay looks up to see Max and Oliver stealing glances in their direction. The second time, he notices Max smirking and pushes his glasses back up his nose with his middle finger. Just because he's enjoying the sound of Aaron's voice doesn't mean he's interested. Of course, his brain suggests unhelpfully, doesn't mean he's not interested either. Oh, shut up, he mutters as he pushes cauliflower around the skillet. Huh? Aaron asks, looking confused. Nothing, just nothing. Jay starts spooning the cauliflower into the pot of pasta Aaron has drained, and from the corner of his eyes, he can see the man studying his movements and tries to ignore him. Maybe if he closes his eyes and thinks of something else, the whole thing will be over when he opens them. Worked for the Victorian matrons during sex, didn't it? Aaron, however, appears to have not received the memo and reaches across Jay for another spoon. He smells good, like shampoo and wood and wine and... <sighs> Jay drops the empty bowl and turns away glares at Max, who is watching him with concern. When he takes a step in Jay's direction, Jay shakes his head. No, he's fine. Leave him alone. Fingertips on his elbow. He looks down, then up into worried hazel eyes. You okay? Aaron asks. No, he thinks. I'm not okay. I want to go home. Yeah, I'm fine, he says. Just clumsy. Aaron nods, but Jay notices he doesn't remove his hand from his elbow or turn away. Jay assures Aaron he doesn't need to split the cauliflower dish in half. He can take it all. No, really, he insists. Aaron shrugs and Jay starts preparing the next set of bowls from the cheesecake, tofu cake, he amends, while he puts the Tupperware container with his jacket. The cheesecake takes longer, and after a couple of false starts, they agree that Jay will simply hand Aaron the ingredients and utensils required and leave the rest to him. 
It's not that Jay can't cook or follow instructions, for that matter. It's the proximity to this giant of a man whose stupid t-shirt keeps making him forget what he was going to say, who smells like something he'd like to rub up against for, oh, hell, the foreseeable future, and whose damned laughter seems to have a direct line to his dick. This damned class can't be over fast enough. Jay begins gathering up the dishes and utensils while Aaron smooths the top of the cheesecake and a glance at the clock tells him they're nearly done. He might just survive this yet. I was wondering if you'd like to get a drink when we're done, Aaron says in his ear, and Jay yelps, scrambling to not drop the glass he'd just picked up. Aaron chuckles. It's okay if you don't. I understand. It's just, I think he might have been a bit bullied into this, and I wanted to make it up to you with a drink. No. No, he does not want to get a drink. Not tonight. Not ever. Yeah, a drink would be good, he hears himself say. Apparently, his mouth hasn't received the memo either. When, in a fit of panic, Jay asks Max and Oliver to join them for drinks, Max shakes his head and says no. We have champagne chilling at home, and I don't intend leaving our bed until sometime tomorrow, and preferably crawling. Jay makes a retching sound. More than I needed to know, Max. Max winds his arms around Jay's neck and hugs him. I told you he was gorgeous and nice, didn't I, he says in his ear. Fuck off, Jay's growls. Don't do anything I wouldn't do, Max replies with a leer. Seriously, Max, fuck all the way off, okay? Jay turns to Oliver and hugs him. Good luck with him tonight. He's on fine form. Lucky me, Oliver says with a laugh as he steps away. Jay shakes his head, unsure of himself now. Aaron pushes off from the wall where he's been leaning again, tilts his head, and lifts an eyebrow. Oh, God, Jay thinks. That's way too cute for a man his age and size. He's going to kill Max for abandoning him. Did you drive, Aaron is asking, and Jay tunes back into his voice. Yeah, I'm parked about a block or so down. Cool. There's a bistro about a block that way. Aaron jerks his thumb over his shoulder. Want to grab your car or happy to walk? Walking's good, Jay says, and follows in behind him. How do you know Max and Oliver? I sometimes show in Oliver's gallery. You're an artist? Wood sculptor. Well, that explains the smell. How about you, Aaron asks. How do you know them? Max and I work together. I'm a graphic designer. We were roommates in college. They stop at the corner to wait for the cross signal, and Jay tries to think of something to say that won't make him look like an idiot. They walk the rest of the way in silence. The waitress places two glasses of red wine on the table and turns away. Jay picks his glass up and takes a gulp, hoping the alcohol will help untie the knot in his stomach. So, when you say you and Max were roommates, did you mean just roommates or, uh, you know... Aaron asks. He's sitting back in his chair, ankles crossed, and Jay tries to keep his eyes off his legs and his chest and... Wait, did he just ask if he and Max... Do I look insane? He asks in disbelief. Oliver's a fucking saint. I mean, Max is a good guy. I love him to bits, but no. Just roommates. Oh, good. Aaron says, sipping his drink. Good. Why is that good? What, what does that mean? How long have you been vegan? He asks, as much to distract himself from thinking about the man opposite as to know the answer. Aaron's cheeks blush a faint pink. He uncrosses his never-ending legs and sits forward. I'm not, he says in a low whisper. Huh? My sister's vegan and I like to cook, so I decided I'd learn how to make a few things for her. He has the grace to look a little ashamed by the confession, then adds, I am gay, though. Jay chokes on his wine, spraying it down his shirt and over the table. A napkin is pressed into his hand, and he dabs at his chest with it. You know, spirit of no false advertising and everything. Good to know, Jay splutters, mopping his face with the damp napkin. 
When he looks up, Aaron is watching him with a small smile, but no trace of derision. His eyes are kind and patient, and Jay has to swallow a lump in his throat. What did Max and Oliver tell you about me? He asks. Aaron shakes his head. Not a lot. That you lost someone important in your life and you don't go out much. Don't date. He holds his hand up to signal the waitress. Which, I guess, makes me lucky since you're here with me. Not that this is a date. Embarrassment colors Aaron's face and Jay finds his discomfort reassuring. I think I'll shut up now. Jay bites his lip. There's that cute thing again. He sighs. He may as well be honest. Let the guy off the hook. Who knows? Maybe they can be friends. My partner was killed in a car accident three years ago. Some guy ran a red light, plowed straight into him. He died while they were still cutting him out. Still hurts to tell it, but it doesn't feel as though it's going to suffocate him anymore. Oh, Jay, I I'm sorry. Max is an ass. He should have told me. Jay shakes his head and drains what's left of his wine. It's okay, he says. The waitress appears, brows raised in expectation. Um... Could we have another two glasses of wine, please, and maybe some nachos? Aaron looks to Jay for confirmation, and he nods, still trying to catch his breath and keep his emotions in check. She smiles and disappears. I'm really sorry, Jay. That sucks. If I'd known, Aaron starts to say. Don't worry about it, Jay waves away the apology. I think I probably needed this. He considers his words for a moment before continuing, though if you tell Max that, they'll never find your body. This time, Aaron's laugh is loud, and he rocks back in his chair. He pushes his ridiculous hair out of his eyes, and Jay's stomach does an annoying little flip. Really, his entire body is getting in on this tonight. Your secret's safe with me, Aaron says when he's calm again, hazel eyes dancing, on one condition. Jay tenses and waits. Have dinner with me on Friday. Aaron rests his elbows on his knees. No pressure, just dinner. The waitress reappears with her wine and nachos, and Jay waits while she fusses with him. When she's gone, he helps himself to a nacho, winding the melted cheese around it and shoving it whole in his mouth. The look of disgust he knows Max would give him has him reaching for another nacho, and his hand bumps Aaron's as he does the same thing. He looks up. Okay, he whispers, and is rewarded with a wide smile and dimples. Aaron walks back to the car with him, and Jay wonders if he should offer him a ride home. As if reading his mind, Aaron pulls his phone out of his pocket and taps the Uber app on the home screen. Relieved, Jay presses the button on the key fob. Car alarm beeps twice and he hears the locks disengage. Thank you, he says. That was fun. I'm glad you enjoyed yourself, Aaron says with a smile. I'll tell Max you hated it, though. Don't worry. Oh, God, he'll probably want me to join the class. Though, to be honest, the idea isn't as awful as he would have thought a few hours ago. I'll text you a time for Friday, okay? Aaron reminds him. Jay nods. He dropped his phone three times trying to enter Aaron's number and is still shaking. He leans against the car. I'm going to kiss you now, Aaron says. Startled, Jay doesn't have time to move out of the way before warm lips are brushing over his. Aaron doesn't try anything more than that. A simple, gentle kiss. But Jay's body feels as though it's on fire. You can punch me if you want, Aaron tells him. No, I'm, I'm good, Jade replies, unable to take his eyes off Aaron's mouth. I'll see you on Friday? Yeah. Aaron holds the door for him while he slides behind the wheel and pulls his seatbelt over chest. Drive safe. Jay eases the car out of the space and around the corner. When Aaron is gone from his rear vision mirror, he lifts his hand to his mouth and traces his lower lip, still tingling from the kiss. Friday. Dinner. He thinks maybe he can do this, and as the light turns to green, he decides that Valentine's Day isn't so bad at all. 
the end. Author, Akafan, Buddhist. Angelique Jurd is owned by four cats, three adult children, two temperamental computers, and a very patient boyfriend. Not a partridge in a pear tree. A former print journalist and editor, she has, over the years, written about a wide variety of topics, from politics to duck breeding to rock concerts. Her interest in fandom studies was sparked in 2015 when she watched Supernatural for the first time, and she has been fascinated by the intersection between fans and creators ever since. She is currently completing an MA Media Studies in the subject. She likes cold champagne, hot coffee, neat whiskey, loud Springsteen, and the Winchester Brothers kicking butt. When she's not writing, she likes to color, watch movies, and get more tattoos. You can find out more at her website at angeliquejurd.com. That's A-N-G-E-L-I-Q-U-E-J-U-R-D.com. The Cauliflower Club was read by Angie Fiedler-Sutton. The music used was 2FN by Regis Victor, available at the Free Music Archive and used under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial share-alike license. The overall music for Angelique Jurd is Together We Stand by Scott Holmes, available at the Free Music Archive and used under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial license. This was a production of Contents May Vary.